0: When night you know, normally I would tell you to turn and shake somebody's hand, but I think we might uh, all have a stampede or a problem with stepping on each other. So how about just shake the hand of the person beside you in a moment, not yet, but first of all, will you also make some noise for all the hard work our worship team and our choir made to lead us in worship <laughs> All right, and then literally, don't let your feet move. Just turn and high-five the two or three people around you. Let's do that. Tell them Happy Easter. All right. Praise God. All right, as you find your seats, go ahead and be seated. Um. My name's Scott. I'm our lead pastor, and and I normally get to share God's Word with us today, but today we have a special guest speaker, and I want to introduce him to you. Uh, He's a brother in Christ, a good friend, and a a guy that is from North Carolina, and we love that. Even though he's not from Colorado, at least he's not from the Deep South or something, so we'll… Anyway, we want to welcome him. I'm just messing with Mac, but anyway, he's a good friend of Mac Owen, and Mac is, our, is the National Director of Celebrate Recovery. If you, if you don't know Mac Owen, he's, one, he's the chairman of our elders. But um, uh, his friend John Eklund is the East Coast Director of Celebrate Recovery and is here with us because of some stuff that's happening yesterday, and tomorrow you'll hear just a little bit about that maybe. But um, will you one more time make some noise, some Colorado loud mountain noise for our, our speaker John Eklund. Welcome him to the stage as he comes and shares God's Word. Hey,
1: Amen. I got to rip on the 8 o'clock crowd. They weren't quite as lively, but don't tell them I said that. All right. Yeah, 8 o'clock's early, right? So uh, yeah, we, can't, we got here Friday. My wife and four daughters. I have four daughters. Pray for me. I love them. They're beautiful. I love you. Anyway, we got here Friday, and since Friday, I have basically not been able to breathe, so that's a different thing. And uh, But Mac's been stuffing me full of food, and apparently not having any air to breathe and being full of food is the perfect ingredients to climbing the incline on Monday, which I'll be doing. So, yes, the funeral will be on Tuesday. So, Sunday school teacher was i um, teaching a lesson on uh, the resurrection, and she asked her class, she said, so, what do you little guys, they're like kindergartners, first grade, what do you guys think Jesus said when he came up out of the tomb? What do you guys think? And there's little kids in there going, "Be call me. And this one little kid, Jimmy, was always distracted. He's kind of looking out the window. He's not paying any attention. She says, Jimmy, what do you think? He says, what? Uh, what? She said, what do you think Jesus said when he came up out of the tomb? And he's just scrambling, he's like, Man, I should know this. He's thinking. And finally he just goes, Tada. <laughs> <laughs> this is the biggest tada moment in Christian history in the world's history. Amen. Is Jesus raising him from the dead? But first, he had to die on a cross. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. I know we're on Easter Sunday. I know this is the day that we celebrate Jesus coming out of that tomb. But today I feel like God wants me to speak on why our Savior had to suffer. Because I think it has a lot to do with how we make sense of suffering in our own life, of how He had to suffer and die. If we can wrap our heads around this, I believe it can transform the suffering that you've been through in your life, because I'm going to guarantee you, if you've lived on this earth, you've experienced pain. You've ex- experienced suffering. And so I want to I share a story with you about a guy by the name of uh, Dave Reaver. Uh, Dave Reaver, I just uh, listened to an audiobook on uh, Vietnam, just incredible, incredible. That time in history. Dave Reaver enlisted in the Navy where he became one of Vietnam's famous brown water black berets. You've heard of the green berets. He was a black beret and uh, he was a a riverboat machine gunner. And at 1.8 months into his tour of duty, he had a phosphorus grenade in his hand. He got ready to throw that thing and it blew up in his face. And I'm trying to look if there's little kids in here. It, it, the way he describes what happened to his face, his body just burned, you know, just just gruesome. He had to jump into the water. Just he was on fire, and uh, his his uh, fellow soldiers uh, got him up out of the water, got him uh, medevac out of there. I guess uh, ended up in a in a hospital, I believe, in in Japan. Uh, where he was in a burn unit, and uh, he was just mutilated. He was disfigured gruesomely. He was unrecognizable. And uh, through that pain and that suffering, seeing what he looked like, I mean, just his face just was unrecognizable. Through that suffering, he attempted suicide in the hospital. Just felt like he had nothing to live for. Survived that suicide attempt and got to the place where he said, if I could just... See my wife, if she would just come, um, military sent her to see him on uh, her journey. It was a long ways He started to second guess whether or not he should actually be reunited with her because the more that they took the bandages off, the more they tried to reconstruct him, um, he, he, his, his flesh had just melted off his but. he was just gruesome to behold. He said, man, my wife did not sign up for any of this. She's just endured a tour of duty, didn't know if I was going to be alive or dead. I might as well be dead. He started thinking, You know what, I don't even want her to stay married to me because she didn't she doesn't deserve this and so he started preparing a speech about kind of like man, I, I'm telling her like you know what it's okay, you know I know I know that covenant of marriage you signed, but look, look." i tell you what, man, I'm going to let you off the hook, and, and uh, while he's in the hospital, his bedmate, they're, you know, surrounded by burn victims, and his bedmate uh, had, had his wife come and visit him, and his wife, this bedmate's wife came in and took one look at his, his roommate there just laying there, and he said she took her ring off, put it on his pillow, and walked out the door. And so Dave Reeves was like, man, I, I, this, is, this confirms it. I don't want to go through that kind of pain. So he had a speech all ready for when his wife came. And his wife arrived, and he said she approached his bed, and he, he was all ready to give that speech and was about to tell her, you know what, look, we're done. You know, go ahead, go find somebody else. I'm a monster. And she barely recognized him. She came up to him, and she said, Davey? And tears began to just come out of his face. I mean, he was so messed up. And she looked down and she said, Davey, it's you. And she put her hands on his face. And he said, Honey, just please, just leave. You don't want anything to do with me. I mean, look at me. I'm horrifying. I'm a monster. And she just wrapped her hands around his face and kissed his tears. And she said, Dave, you were never that good looking in the first place. (laughs) I think that's God for you, right? I mean, that's kind of how God looks at us, man. It's like, come on, guys, man. Your works are nothing. You're a mess, but I love you. I love you, you know? You know, if you ever read anything about him, he's he's an awesome, awesome man of God. And despite all that he went through with Vietnam, all the surgeries, I think he was in the hospital like 14 months, he began to believe that God had a purpose for his life. Even though he was horribly disfigured, even though life had thrown this at him, he was a war hero, and yet just, just people called him a monster, not only for what he looked like, but for what he did in Vietnam. He was just a very difficult time to live. But he believed God could use him actually use his suffering for God's glory. And through that, he began to go around to veterans and begin to encourage them. Do we have any veterans here? Would you stand up if you're a veteran? I just want to thank you. Would you stand if you're a veteran? Can we just thank our veterans? There is no greater love. Thank you. There's no greater love than a man gives his life. Thank you for doing that. And he began to just share his encouragement with veterans, and and he began to share his story, and he he began to share how Jesus Christ had taken his pain and turned it into a message. He recycled his pain when he surrendered his pain, and he began to use it for his glory. And he says this in all of his writings, all of the things he talks about. He always says, man, I had a choice about my suffering. I didn't have a choice of whether I was going to suffer. He said, I don't know if I ever got the answer of why I had to suffer, and that's not what this morning's about. But he said, because Jesus Christ suffered, I know through redemption on the cross that came through a torture device, I know that my suffering also can serve a purpose in this world. And he said this, brokenness and scar and disfigure the spirit as well as the body, but life is a series of choices. And I want you to think about it this morning. I want you to think about this. How have you been broken by life? Everybody is broken in life. Everybody has a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit. That's CR language, by the way. It's all right, recovery. Everybody has a hurt, hang-up, or a habit. Each one of us has to decide, what are we going to do with the suffering that the world gives to us? These past several weeks, Pastor Scott has been in a series about the perspectives of the cross, and I have to say, it's just encouraged me to listen to your series. Thank you. You all have been taking a look at some of the characters who were close to the cross at the time of Jesus Christ's crucifixion. In this series, so far, You've looked at the perspective of the soldiers unmoved by the cross, the disciples distressed by the cross, and the enemies of the cross. And today, this Easter Sunday morning, I want to talk about the perspective of Jesus Christ Himself on the cross. The one who endured the cross, and the one who ultimately was elevated by the cross, glorified through the cross, believing that if we endure suffering well, If we surrender our suffering to our Savior, Jesus Christ, He will lift us up as well. He says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Man, I want you to be elevated through your suffering. I want you to believe that through your pain and through your hurt, through the biggest trials in your life, God wants to use it and not only change your life, but also change everybody's life around you because He wants to take your mess and turn it into His message. Do you believe it? I hope so. I want you to think about that this morning. If you have your Bible with you, you can open up to John chapter 12, 23 through 33. And this is sort of towards the end of Jesus' time on earth prior to his crucifixion. And he's trying to talk to these disciples who are kind of goofballs, man. They struggle, huh? Do you read about these disciples? They're knuckleheads, man. They can't figure anything out. He does everything he can to paint pictures for them through parables of how things work. He's trying to describe things to them, and over and over again, they miss it. And here again, he's trying to let them know his purposes and plans. John 12, he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's time. I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed hey, listen to this, if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life is going to lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Whoever serves me has to follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. Isn't that exciting? My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. He says, I am troubled, man. You know, Jesus was just like us in every way tempted and always like we are, yet was without sin. And he's saying, Man, I'm troubled. I know what's coming. I know the suffering's coming. What'll I say, Father, save me from this hour? No. It's not about deliverance from suffering. In fact, he says, it's for this very reason I came to this hour in the first place. Did you know the cross was actually the bullseye that he was headed for since birth? He came to this earth to die. He says, nobody takes my life from me, but I give it freely. The voice came from heaven, I glorified, it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it said it had thundered. Some other said angels spoke to him. Jesus said, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself, lifted up by the cross. So he said this to show the kind of death that he would die. Now, to understand what's happening here, why the disciples were so confused with this, you got to understand the context of the world the disciples, Jews, were living in. Scholars said this, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, was born under the rule of the first Roman emperor, Augustus, whom his subjects, they called him Caesar. They called him Savior of the world. Caesar's who ruled in Jesus' day are mentioned only in Luke's gospel, but the implication is clear that the Jewish people were under Roman domination at that time. They were under Rome's thumb. As the Roman Empire spread from west to east with General Pompey entering Jerusalem in 63 B.C., the Romans established local kings who would be loyal to Rome. That's the Jewish people like all other countries that Rome came in and just, man, devastated and devoured. They were subject not only to Caesar's whims, but also the infighting of local kings that they put in charge like Herod. Remember him? installed as king of the Jews by Rome in 37 BC, under the cruel and unscrupulous Herod, the Jewish high priesthood was for sale by the highest bidder. From the priesthood to the local government, all the way to the top, they were oppressed, suffering under oppression, suffering with lack of freedom, heavily taxed. Man, they were Romans all over the place. You could just do Basically, whatever they wanted. They were suffering. The Jews were suffering. So, they were looking for a Savior. It had been promised to them in the Old Testament, right? Messianic prophecies of a king who would come and save them, deliver them. So, these disciples of Jesus were desperate for deliverance from their suffering. And right here in 12th chapter of John, Jesus says, are you guys ready? It's time to go. It's time right now. Are you ready to, to be delivered? The time is now. He says, it's time. Are you ready? Are you ready? And the disciples must have been on the edge of their seat. They're like, "Woo! let's get them. Let's go, man. Grab your swords. Let's do this thing. Jesus had done all the things they expected, man. He was, he was healing people. He was delivering people from demons. He fed people, 5,000 people with just a few scraps of food. He is doing miracle after miracle. He's driving people out of the temple Violently, angrily. They're like, that's the guy. We're going to follow this guy because he is going to deliver us from our suffering. And so Jesus gets them all together and he's like, okay, are you guys ready for this? Here we go. We're going to go get this thing. They're like, all right. And Jesus says, okay, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to be killed. Okay. Are are you with me? I'm going to be killed by the Romans and then I'll be dead. You ready? Hands in. Let's go. On the count of three, right? I mean, seriously, how do you think they were feeling at that moment, right? They're probably like, okay. A little too much wine, Jesus. It's cool, man. (laughs) Pray about that a little bit. We'll get back to you, you know. To say this revelation was deflating and anticlimactic may be the greatest understatement in history when the disciples heard this thing. The Jews had a rich history of great champions, Gideon, Joshua, David, right? David, how dare these uncircumcised Philistines dare defy the armies of the living God. Right? That's what they're used to. <laughs> I've never flexed my muscle in church before, but there you go. That was my own. <sighs> Yeah. Jesus said, Here's how we're going to win. We're going to embrace the worst torture device of all time, and I will be dead. (laughs) And by the way, I want you to take up your cross and follow me, too. Sound good? If you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's all about suffering. That's the way we win. To be fair. Jesus had been warning them about this the whole time. He'd been telling them that he has to go to Jerusalem in Matthew 16. This is prior to these statements that Jesus made. In Matthew 16, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the leaders. I've got to be killed and be raised on the third day. They knew about that, but they doubted. Because Peter said, listen, Jesus, bad idea, okay, it's the first time God's ever been rebuked, right? Jesus, Jesus is rebuked by Peter and says, I'll never let it happen. And Jesus says, whew, thank you, Peter. Man, I don't know what I was thinking. Is that what he says? He says, man, I about made a bad mistake. Hey, let's go get some coffee. I'm sorry, man. No, what does he say? Get behind me, Satan. I don't know if anybody ever called you Satan before, but I'm sure that kind of put Peter back on his heels. But he said, Jesus said, you don't have the things of God in mind, but the things of man. And then Jesus says, right after he rebukes Peter, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, you got to get this. you got to deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Not mine. i got my own cross to bear. Nobody can take my cross. But you got to pick up your cross and follow me. See, that's the perspective we have to understand, that Jesus knows that we are going to endure crosses in life. But He doesn't want us to ignore them. He doesn't want us to walk around them. He doesn't want us to medicate them. He doesn't want us to to get addicted instead of it. He doesn't want us to build walls so that we don't have to feel it. He says, I want you to embrace your suffering and follow me. Because that's how redemption works. This is the message of the cross. Now, Yesterday, in our meeting with this incredible opioid coalition, this opioid epidemic is devouring 140 lives a day. 140 people are fatally overdosing every single day. Yesterday, we talked about that, yet we celebrated the fact that through addiction and pain, people also at the same time are finding hope and healing. People who have used heroin, I had a guy come up to me in church the other day. He walks up to me. We we have a big church there in North Carolina. He's been coming to Celebrate Recovery real, just a few weeks. I didn't even know he was there. He came up to me and said, hey, man, I got to tell you something. He says, I have 69 days clean from heroin. He says, I had a 30-year addiction. He said, this is the longest I've been sober. He says, here's what I've been doing. I've been sending my little recovery sobriety chips home to my mom every time I get 30 I got 30 days I send her my blue surrender chip when I got six, uh, 60 days I'm, I send her my 30 day chip she says, she, she says I never believed it could be true she says I'm finding hope and healing in Jesus Christ and I want to tell everybody about it <laughs> amen isn't that exciting so a few of you think it's that's cool There we go, there we go. Praise God. That's the blind receiving sight, man. That's people getting delivered from demons. That's just as big a miracle as an arm growing back, man. 30 years of heroin use. And now he's telling everybody about it, and I'm going to tell you what. That's how people are finding hope, is a seed is dead. He says, I'm going to die to my sin. I'm going to die to my addiction. And watch, it's going to reap a harvest. That's what Jesus is saying here. Unless the seed dies, man, it just sits there. Some of us are just sitting, little seeds in our seats. Man, I don't want to die to myself. I don't want to take hold of my suffering. Many of us walk into church, big smile on our face. How you doing? Well, on the way here, I got an argument with my wife. We talked about divorce. How are you doing? Is that what you do? I don't know about you. My kids erupt right before Sunday service. I don't know what happens Sunday morning. It's a weird gravitational pull on the moon, but Sunday morning is the worst fights that our family has ever gotten into. And we walk up and shake that greeter's hand. They're saying, how you doing? You're like, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I hate my life, but hey, great. <laughs> Blessed by the best, right? <laughs> Seems like church is the hardest place to get on us sometimes. Because we don't embrace the fact that through sharing our suffering, surrendering our suffering, embracing our suffering, as Jesus embraced the cross, we are redeemed just as He was redeemed. We are elevated through our suffering just as He was elevated through His suffering, and we can bring other people to glory by we getting up on, not not His cross, Only through His suffering and death can we have freedom from sin. But as we embrace our cross and say, I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to medicate it. Some of us do that through addictions, through anger. Some of us try to control other people. What if we just surrendered it, embraced it, said, I suffer. So what? I've got a Savior who can take away my suffering, who because He lives, I also can live. What if we said that instead? What if we started talking about our struggles, admitting our struggles? That's what CR is every Monday night, is a place to get honest, man. I get people come to Celebrate Recovery, they're like, man, I thought when I walked into this church the roof would fall in on me. It's sad to think that that's what people sometimes think of the church. What if church, and I believe Scott's made this environment a place that that is a safe place to come in and share your hurts, hang-ups, and habits. What if we started to think that way? I love me some Robbie Zacharias. I don't know about you. You like Robbie Zacharias? He said this. He said, Jesus did not come to make bad men good. He, made, he came to make dead men live. Amen? That's why he came. Do you believe that? One of the most important choices we can make is what we do with the brokenness that we all experience at some point in our life. Jesus makes his choice. He says, His soul is troubled. What should I ask? Should I ask for an escape? Should I take the easy way out and be delivered by the Father? You know, he was tempted to do that right away by the devil. Throw yourself off of this cliff right now. Angels will rescue you. Jesus said, Nope. I got a different path. I'm heading to the cross. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. John 14, 19, right before his arrest and death, Jesus said, before too long, the world won't see me, but you'll see me because I live. You also will live. I love that song we sing. By your spirit, we will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Do you want your suffering to be resurrected? Hey, the greatest news is Jesus was in that tomb three days, but then, but then, that stone was rolled away. Jesus came up out of that tomb, and because he lives, you can live too. Would you stand with me? You know, the band come up. Man, in a room this size, people here today, maybe some new folks, maybe you've been to church your whole stinking life, but maybe today in a room this big, big, you are suffering. A lot of us, man, we've had abuse in our past. A lot of us have secret sins that we just get stuck in. A lot of us are struggling with a relationship. Somebody hurts you so bad and you can't deal with it. You're suffering. Why would you leave here the same that you came in? Why? When the resurrected king can resurrect you in your suffering today. Why would you leave here the same as when you walked in? What would happen if Easter Sunday morning, you remembered this, Easter Sunday morning 2019 at Impact Church, something changed. I stopped running from my suffering. I stopped building walls. I said, God... I surrender my suffering to you. I'm not going to ignore it anymore. I'm not going to pretend anymore. I'm going to give it to you. I know some of you are suffering. You're struggling. You're hurting. I want that so bad for you. Jesus brought you here so you can right now give him your suffering and say, God, redeem it for your glory. Did you just close your eyes and bow your heads? Tomorrow night, if you come to Celebrate Recovery, you can hear my girls talk about how God transformed their suffering into His glory. I want you to believe it. He's going to do it in you if you just surrender it right now. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're struggling with. But why not Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, say, I remember that was the day that He set me free. He set me free. If you're struggling with something, you're suffering under a burden. It's financial, it's physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual. You're hurt, you're struggling, you're addicted. I don't care what it is. You walked in these doors for Jesus to deliver you through the cross. He wants to raise you up. If that's you, every head bowed, if you just close your eyes with me. God, I pray We would all have the courage to make this choice this morning. If that's you, you're going through some things in your life, big or small, God wants to redeem your suffering. If that's you, nobody else is looking around. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm struggling, and I want to surrender my suffering to him this morning. I know there's more of you. Yes, 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 yes. If you raise your hand, this is the day, man. This is the day right here myself, Pastor Scott, Mac, there's a bunch of people. We want to pray with you and for you. If you raised your hand this Easter Sunday morning, what if you took a step of courage and walked up to this altar and let us just pray for you? If that's you, you raise your hand or even if you didn't, would you just come right now as the band begins to play that Jesus is our living hope. Would you come if you raised your hand? I don't want you to hesitate, man. God is speaking to you about your suffering. He wants to give you deliverance this morning. Would you just come right now if you raised your hand? People are coming up the aisles right now. I want you to just come right now. If you know how to pray, I want you to pray for these folks just come right now. People, you are suffering and you are not right now needing to go through that. Just come right now. I want you to come and allow yourself to be prayed for as the band plays. Just come right now. Come and let's pray together. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain.